We're going to continue along in our series, I Will Say of the Lord. We've looked at several aspects of that. But I want to do part two, I Will Say of the Lord that Jesus is our Redeemer. So Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask you for revelation, for the anointing, and for your grace and your strength to minister to these, your people. I ask you, sir, for scriptures and examples And I ask you, sir, for your presence manifested. Whatever the people may need today, I'm asking you for it in Jesus' name. And I believe that and I receive that now. Everybody said amen. Amen. So Jesus is our Redeemer and he has given you and I rain. Everyone say rain. I'm not talking about R-A-I-N. He gives us that. But I'm talking about R-E-I-G-N. In Luke chapter 12 and verse 32, in the Amplified it says, Do not be seized with alarm and struck with fear, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Now Young's literal translation says this, Fear not, little flock, for because your Father did delight to give you the rain. To give you the rain. Rain means royal authority. We are a royal priesthood, as we spoke before, a holy nation, and we have been given kingdom dominion. We have been given reign to exercise authority. We are not to be dominated. We are to dominate. You and I, created in the image and likeness of God, have indeed been made for mastery. And we see here that it gives our Father great pleasure to see you and I, to see all of us, Walking in this kingdom reign. In Romans 5.17, in the Amplified Version, it says, Those who receive God's overflowing grace and the gift of righteousness, putting them into right standing with himself, will reign as kings in life through the Lord Jesus Christ. I had the privilege of watching Apostle Frederick Casey Price's homegoing service at Crenshaw Christian Center yesterday. I watched it online. It was a marvelous tribute to a great man of God. Dr. Price said things throughout my life that really branded me and imprinted a real strong spirit of faith on the inside of me. But I can remember him one day saying this. He said, you are either reigning in life or life is reigning on you. (laughs) So you and I, we reign, praise God, Because we've been redeemed and we've been given royal authority. Praise God. And so as royalty, we reign. We reign with our words. Jesus himself is seated at the right hand of the Father. He's got a seat. But did you know that you also have a seat? You're seated together with him. So in a sense, we're on the throne next to him. Amen? Praise God. And so that's where kings rule from. They rule from their throne. That's where they reign from. And where the word of the king is, there is power. Never underestimate the power of kingdom words spoken out by his kings and his priests. Oh, glory to God. Much power is released when we speak forth the word of God. A very good friend of ours for many, many years says she wakes up every morning and she takes her seat of authority. 
And she does not pray for victory, but she prays from victory. She does not pray looking up, begging God. She prays looking down on circumstances and, and all those things. And she prays these Ephesians prayers. She prays mightily in the spirit and proclaims God's word over her loved ones, over her ministry. And you know what? You can do the same thing every morning. Now in Matthew, the 16th chapter, we see something that Jesus said in verse 15. And he said unto them, But who you, who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say also unto thee, You are Peter, and upon this rock, what will he do? He will build his church, and what will not prevail against the church? Aren't you part of the church? Yes. Praise God. So we could literally say, as king's kids, the gates of hell will not prevail against us. The gates of hell will not prevail against our community. Amen? Yes. Praise God. But here's what I want you to see in verse 19. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. So this does not sound to me like Jesus is going to do everything for us. Keith Moore says this. He said, most people have a no-fault religion. And he went on to say, no matter what happens or doesn't happen, it's not my fault. Or it's all up to God. So what this does then is it takes all of the responsibility off of self. And whatever comes our way, kesara, sara, whatever will be, will be. God is sovereign. We don't have any. We know we're just helpless pawns. That's not in the Bible. He gave you keys. He gave me keys. And what do keys represent? Keys represent the right of use. They represent the right of privilege, of access, and control. And so he has placed a lot of things in your control. There is so much that you and I can do something about. And the enemy just wants us to believe that, you know, we're helpless pawns. No, we're not helpless pawns. We got the helper living on the inside of us. We've got the head of the church who's handed over the keys to us. Now, in verse 19 again, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind, the Amplified says, declare and improper and unlawful. See, you make the decision that lack is unlawful in your life. You make the decision that mental torment is unlawful in your life. It doesn't belong to me. It's not a part of my DNA. It's not a part of the kingdom of God. And so I declare it unlawful and improper. I'm not going to allow it one day more. Whatever you declare unlawful and improper, not allowing that, on earth, guess what happens? He will praise God back us up. And then whatever we loose or whatever we declare according to God's word lawful. In other words, what belongs to us, whatever we loose on earth 
Amen. What is already loosed in heaven. Say with me, the power of binding and loosing is in the keys. I have the keys. You know, if something needs to be bound, bind it. If something needs to be loosed, just loose it. Hallelujah. Charles Capps used to say, if bind and don't fix it, loose it. Praise the Lord. So I will say of the Lord, you are my redeemer and you have given me the rain. Amen. Now let's look over at Luke chapter 10 and verse 19. Here's what Jesus said. He said, behold or look, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over a third of the power of the enemy. No, he didn't say one third. He didn't say one half or three quarters. He said, I've given you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all. Everyone say over all. Over all the power of the enemy. And then he goes on to say, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Now, in the Greek, that's a double negative for a dual emphasis. What this literally means, it means more than just nothing. It means none, not at all, no way at any time can anything hurt you. Praise the Lord. I said praise the Lord. So the church, the body of Christ then is not really to pray to God the Father about the devil. But the church is to exercise authority that belongs to them. And we want to look at some scriptural proofs of that this morning. So look over in Mark chapter 16. Mark 16 verses 15 through 18. Jesus said to them, Go into all the world and preach religion. Preach Dr. Phil. (laughs) Preach Oprah. Preach the latest transcendental meditation guru stuff. Go into all the world and preach diets. I've got the cure for everybody. It's this diet. Or I've got the cure for everybody. It's this pill. No. If it's a gospel pill, it's another thing. But he said, go into all the world and do what? Preach the gospel. The gospel is what? It's good news. And so when the good news is preached, faith comes and people can act on that good news which has been preached and they can be born again just like you and just like me. Verse 16. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. Brother Hagin says it this way. And these signs shall accompany the believing ones. Are you a believing one? Somebody says, well, I didn't go to Bible college. I didn't ask you that. Are you a believer? Well, then Jesus said, these signs shall follow them that believe. Now notice, in my name, they shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing or eat any deadly thing, how many of you know it's a good idea to pray over your food? It shall not do what? It shall not hurt them, 
And then they shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Now notice, go back to verse 17 here. Let's look at this. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name, what shall they do? He says that is the first sign that shall follow the believing ones. In other words, if the devil shows up and tries to show out, you've been given the name which is above every name. And in that name, every knee shall bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth. We do not have to be intimidated by any demonic attack. What we must do is rise up in faith, take the reins, take the keys, and in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, put a stop on what he's trying to attack you with. If he shows up, don't get worried. Just take the name. Just take the name. The name is more than enough. Hallelujah. The name of the Lord is your strong tower. The righteous will run into it and they will be very safe. Glory to God. There's power in the name. There's authority in the name. Angels and demons have to bow to that name. And that name belongs to you. And that name belongs to me. And we are authorized in this name. Glory to God. Woo! Hallelujah. And so that means His name. In His name we exercise authority. We don't have to pray to God to do something about the devil. He's given us the keys. He's given you the keys. Open your mouth and speak forth the word of life. Open your mouth. Stop sitting around your house worrying. Stop sitting around your house thinking. I believe the body of Christ needs to do less thinking and more drinking in of the Holy Ghost. More drinking in of the good Word of God. Open up your mouth. Lift your voice up high and take your place in Christ Jesus and refuse anything that the enemy brings your way. So that's one scriptural proof. The next one is James chapter 4 and verse 7. Notice this with me. Submit yourself, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and the devil will think about leaving you. No. Submit, resist, he's got to run. Amen. Now, the other side of the coin is this. If we're not submitted to God, the enemy won't have to submit to us. Or if we're yielding to the enemy, don't expect him to yield to you. The Bible does not say assist the devil. It says resist the devil and he will flee from you. Young's translation says it this way. Be subject then to God. That's what that means, Greg. That means be subject to him. Submit to God. Stand up. Don't lie down. Stand up against the devil and he will flee from you. Now, I saw something late last night as I was meditating in my office at home out of the Passion Translation. And I've discovered this, that a true humble person is a person that will submit to God. Trying to live our lives and trying to figure things out in our own strength and our own ingenuity. How many have found out that doesn't work? 
So even though we may not understand all of God's ways and God's plans, a humble person will say, your will be done. And I submit to you with a humble heart. Now notice this in the passion. This is interesting. In verse 6, But he continues to pour out more and more grace upon us, for it says, God resists you and me when we are what? When we are proud. Being full of pride is the opposite of being humble. And so we want to make sure that we're not proud because we don't want to be resisted by God. And when we try to resist the devil, if we're operating in pride, the devil just laugh. Now notice this. God resists you when you're proud, but this is us. He continually pours out grace when we are humble. Isn't that good? So in other words, we shut the door on pride and we open up the door to great grace being poured out upon us. And when great grace is being poured out upon us and when we submit ourselves to God and surrender to Him, next verse, so then surrender to God, stand up to the devil and resist him and he will flee from you in agony. There's a connection between biblical humility and submission and your ability to stand up and resist. Mm. Selah. That's a whole series in and of itself. Say with me, a truly humble person will submit to God and God will give them the grace to stand up and to resist. Now the third is in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8 and verse 9. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8 and verse 9. Verse 8 says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Verse 9, let's read it together. Whom resists steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. Now notice, when he comes, we are to resist him in the faith. One translation says, we are to resist him with our faith. God has given you faith for you to resist the adversary who goes about seeking whom he may devour. So our attitude is this. I've been given the keys. I've been given the reign. I've been given the God kind of faith. And so when that rat comes around my block, I'm going to take my faith and I'm going to put him on the run. Glory to God. Your adversary means your opponent. Now let's look at this in the Passion Translation. It says, be well balanced and always alert. Be well balanced and always alert. Because your enemy, the devil, roams around incessantly like a roaring lion looking for its prey to devour. And I love how he says this in verse 9. <clears throat> Read it with me. Take a decisive stand against him and resist his every attack. What kind of faith? I think we can do just a little bit better than that in the house. What kind of faith? How does one get strong, vigorous faith? 
One gets strong, vigorous faith by being strong in their spirit. For it is the strong spirit of man that will sustain him in his infirmity. Amen. So take a decisive stand. In other words, make this quality decision to stand against him, to take your keys, to reign in life, and resist his every attack with strong, vigorous faith. Oh, hallelujah. Say with me, I have strong. I have vigorous faith. Hallelujah. Now, if we're honest about it, let me just ask you a question. Have you ever felt like, Pastor Mark, I've used my faith. I've done what I know to do. But in the natural realm, sometimes it feels like there's no way out. Right? There's no temptation taken us, but since it's common to man. But God is faithful who, who will what? Amen. He will always provide a way out, a way of escape to come to a safe landing place. But if we're honest about it, sometimes we feel, oh man, this fray is getting tough. You know, for sure, there's times in our life where we feel like we're hemmed in. Let me tell you a story. The story is told of two men standing in front of a painting called Checkmate in an art gallery. In the painting, a man is playing chess with the devil. And the devil is grinning ear to ear because he has the man cornered. The title of the painting is Checkmate. And it indicates that the game is over. That the devil has won and his opponent has no more moves. I read on. The first man looking at the painting wants to move on to the other paintings in the gallery. But the second man, an international chess champion, wants to look at the painting just a little longer. So he waves his friend on and tells him he'll catch up with him later. The chess champion stares and stares at the chessboard, and suddenly he steps back flabbergasted. It's wrong, he exclaimed. It's wrong. There's one more move. He runs to his friend, and together they look at the painting. We have to contact the painter. The chess champion says, it's not checkmate because the king has one more move. So checkmate is a game position in chess in which a player's king is threatened and captured and there's no legal room to escape the threat. And so delivering checkmate is the ultimate goal in chess. A player who is checkmated loses the game. When he says checkmate, it means you're blocked. You're stopped. You don't have a chance. You're surrounded by your enemy. Well, you and I have an adversary that will tell us from time to time, there's no way out. You are trapped. You're stuck. Checkmate. The enemy wants to checkmate our lives. He wants to put us in a position where we are trapped and where we are stuck, where there's no hope because he will tell us it's all over. When the enemy of our soul screams out, checkmate, Oh, you've got nowhere to turn. We must rise up in the name of Jesus and say, I don't think so. 
when hell yells checkmate, our response should be no way for Jesus Christ is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. And my king always has one more move. Glory to God. He has the way out. He is, in fact, the way. The king will always have the last word. Think about it in the Bible. We can see illustration after illustration. Moses, I'm sure, at the Red Sea, heard something like checkmate. He's surrounded by Pharaoh's army. He's closing in. There seemed to be no more moves left on the table. And suddenly the enemy comes and whispers and says, it's over, it's over. But what we need to understand that we serve a God that can split Red Seas just like that. We can see a God that is never, ever out of moves. Listen to this. When the three Hebrew children were thrown into the burning fiery furnace, the king had one more move. In Daniel chapter 3, in verse 23, And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. Then old Nebi, Nebuchadnezzar, the king was astonished and rose up in haste and spake and said to the counselors, Did not we cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? They answered and said, True, O king, true, O king. But he answered and said, But lo, I see four men loose, walking in the midst of the fire, and they have no hurt, and the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. Woo! Glory to God. The king had one more move. Glory to God. The fourth man showed up. And the fourth man will show up in your burning, fiery test. Glory to God. Just know this, that God has got you. He's for you. That His eyes are upon you. If you'll not give up, if you'll not throw your faith away, but if you will say, our God is able to deliver me and He will deliver me, you'll see the fourth man show up in the midst of your burning, fiery furnace. Woo! Glory to God. And God will get the glory. And then when Daniel was put into the lion's den. The king, come on, had one more move. In Daniel chapter 6 and verse 20, And when he came to the den, he cried with a lamentable voice unto Daniel. And the king spake and said to him, Daniel, O servant of the living God, is thy God, whom you serve continually, able to deliver you from the lions? Then Daniel said unto the king, O king live forever you may be a natural king but i know the king and the king always trumps natural kings come on somebody and in verse 22 it says my god everyone say my god my god my god my god God sent his angel and he shut the lion's mouth and they have not hurt me in so much as before him innocency was found in me O king glory to god I have done no harm. I've done no hurt. The fourth man. The man in the lion's den. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And then what about the woman taken in the act of adultery? How did those dudes know she was committing adultery? They could have been peeping Pharisees. I don't know. 
But some way they found out that she was taken in the very act of adultery. And they had her cornered. They're about to stone her. But the king, I said the king, had one more move. Let me just say this. Never throw a sinner at the feet of Jesus. Because he will always take their case. Jesus stooped down, began to draw on the sand. Someone said he probably was writing out their sins. And the Bible says they went out from the oldest to the youngest. And then he looked at that woman and he said, Where are thine thine accusers? And she says, They're not here. He said, Neither do I condemn you. And then he encouraged her to go and sin no more. I thank God that he had one more move for me. Can you testify? Are you thankful that you didn't die as a young man or as a young woman? Been decades in hell? My goodness. One more move. One more move. He is your God. And then think about Jesus. They crucified him. They put him in a tomb and they sealed it. And the enemy said, checkmate. Oh, thank God. The king had one more move. Had the princes of this world known it, they would never have crucified the Lord of glories. And had the devil known it when he attacked you, that you would come out stronger, he would have never wasted his time. Thank God Jesus came up. Jesus rose. The devil was having a party in heaven. Or in hell. He was having a party down there. They thought they'd had him down for good. But you can't keep a God man down. You can't keep a good man down. God raised him from the dead. And sometimes the doctor may say, I've done all I can do. The banker may say, I've done all I can do. The family counselor may say, I've done all for you, your family that I can do. But you and I serve a God who will never say, I've done all I can do. God has power reserved for your particular situation. All of us, every one of us, I've experienced several checkmates in my life. I could tell you some stories and you could tell me some stories. But at the end of the day, it's God who gets the glory. It's God who moved on us. It's God who raised us up. It's God who touched our bodies. It's God who put groceries, hallelujah, in our, in our, in our fridge. Amen. Somebody shout, I am more than a conqueror. Glory to God. So no matter how desperate your situation may be, it may even look like you've lost everything. But I just came by to tell you that God loves you and he's got many more moves for you. Hallelujah. 
He's turning things around. I said, he's turning things around. Glory to God. Glory to God. Somebody says, well, he tried to kill me. Well, I see he didn't. Huh? Well, he, he, he tried to kill my husband. I see he didn't. Glory to God. Well, he, 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 he took my house years ago. But I see you got a new house. Well, COVID took my job. But I see you got a new job. And if you don't have a new job yet, there's a better job on the way. He specializes in turning things around. He's El Shaddai. He's the God who is more than more than enough. I want to know today, can anyone testify that God has done something great in your life? Hallelujah. And down in my heart, I just sense this. He's not finished yet. He's not through yet. There's better days. There's greater days on the horizon for each and every one of us. Amen. I prophesy over your lives. Good things are coming your way. Hallelujah. Don't give up. Don't let go of the reins. Don't let go of the reins. Take the keys. Get fired up. Get stirred up. Get prayed up. Get worded up. Get praised up. Get worshiped up. Glory to God. And see what God will do in your life. Glory. Thank you, Lord. Let's just get, lift our hands up right now. Glory to God. Oh, Father, we loose the ministering spirits right now on behalf of those that are in the house. We loose the angels. We take dominion and authority over the powers of darkness that has tried to hold back things, tried to hold back jobs, tried to hold back finances. We bind you in Jesus' name. And we loose the ministering spirits. Go and cause the money to come. Cause the jobs to come. Cause the business to increase. Cause the ministry to materialize. Lord, may there be the resources of heaven come everyone's way in the name of Jesus. Glory to God. Glory to God. And don't be moved by doors that have been shut. For he is the door. And he is the one that can open doors that no man can shut. So be persistent. Be strong in vigorous faith. And contend for what you know is true on the inside of you. And don't cast away your confidence. For there is a reward coming your way. Hold fast. This is what the Lord is saying. To the profession of your faith. And you will see things come into place hallelujah for he is the apostle and the high priest of your confession so keep your confession strong keep your faith strong let go of the cares let go of the way that it's going to happen put it in my hands for i'm watching over you and i'm caring for you in ways that you don't even know i am moving I am moving on your behalf. 
And sometimes when God moves, we don't always see the manifestation of that movement for months and sometimes even years. So throw away the clock. Throw away the clock. And get over into now faith. And declare it's happening now. God is moving now. Good things are coming my way. Glory to God. Jesus said this, that we can have what we say. If we will simply believe it in our heart and say it with our mouth and hold fast to the confession of our faith, we will see what we are saying come to pass. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. Glory to God. Now I'm going to say checkmate a couple times and I want you to get sassy and say, I don't think so. <laughs> checkmate. I don't think so. Enemy comes along, tells you no way. Checkmate. I don't think so. Enemy comes along, tries to put disease on your family. Checkmate. I don't think so. Enemy says, I'm going to take this nation down. Checkmate. I don't think so. Oh, that was strong. Glory to God. Enemy says the church will never ever be the same from this pandemic. Checkmate. Yeah. 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 Yes. 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 Yes, Lord, yes. Yes, Lord, yes. Yes, Lord, yes. Woo, glory to God. All of His promises are yes. There'll never ever be revival in the Bay Area. Checkmate. You'll never see the reign of the Spirit like you're praying for. Checkmate. Put your hand on your hip like Brenda would and just say, I don't think so. <laughs> Glory to God. Glory to God. Well, it just seems like it'll never be the same. That's right. It'll never be the same. It'll be better. You've got to have it'll be better mentality. It's going to be greater mentality. Well, you're just getting too old. God can't use you. Checkmate. You do a little better than that. You're getting too old. Checkmate. (laughs) That's right, Tony. That's right. (laughs) Woo! Glory to God. Glory to God. We're going to see more souls saved. In these next few years than we've seen in 39 years together as a church. Hallelujah. Amen. The islands are calling. The Philippines are calling. Woo, glory to God. Raul, the devil's probably told you, you'll never, ever see the Philippines again. Checkmate. (laughs) That's right. Amen. Come on, folks. Let's rejoice a little bit. Glory to God. Glory to God. 
Glory to God. Hallelujah. And then in James chapter 4, verse 7, you thought I was done. Checkmate. <laughs> Praise the Lord. The last scriptural proof that I want to give you is found in Ephesians 4 and verse 27, where it says, Neither give place to the devil. This means we're not to give him any place, and he can't take any place unless we give him permission to do so. I heard this from Keith Moore. This is a powerful statement. Listen to this. Never let the enemy get comfortable on territory that doesn't belong to him. Huh? Your home doesn't belong to him. You're the temple of the Holy Ghost. Your body doesn't belong to him. I'm going to say it again. Never let the enemy get comfortable on territory that doesn't belong to him. Neither give place. That word place is topos. We get our English word topographical from it. It means a specific marked off geographical location. It carries the thought of a territory, a province, a region, a zone, or a geographical position. It lets us know this. That the enemy is after every region, after every zone of our lives. He's after our money. He's after our health. He's after our marriages. He's after our businesses. He is so territorial that he wants it all. And so he looks for an entry point. And so you and I then, we must keep the door shut. And one of the biggest areas that all of us need to keep the door shut on, we need to keep the door shut on strife. We need to get, keep the, the, the door shut on unforgiveness. Unforgiveness and strife will shut your faith down just like that. Because in Galatians it says that faith works by love. So we've looked at four scriptural proofs today. You've been given the reins. Your Redeemer lives. And my name will cast out devils. We will rise up and we will resist the enemy every time he comes our way. Praise God. Did you get anything out of this today? Praise God. Let's stand up for a moment. Let's give God praise for what we've heard. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Now say it with me, I've been given keys. The keys of the kingdom. I'm going to use my keys all week long. I'm not going to draw back. But I'm going to rise up in humility. Submit myself to God. And resist the enemy. And he'll run from me as in agony. I refuse to give place in any way, any fashion, or any form to the enemy. I shut the door on strife. Here's another one. I shut the door on worry. 
I shut the door on fear. And I open up my heart to the King of glory. King of glory, manifest yourself. King of glory, you who have many more moves in my life. Oh, let God be God and His enemies be scattered. Glory to God. Glory. 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 Glory to God. Oh, thank you, Lord. Woo, hallelujah.